3: What are your thoughts? What do you think is going to, going to change or perhaps even not change going into 2022?
0: Uh, politics is still going to be screwed. That's, that's not going to change. So it's getting ugly.
3: My prediction is that Jesus Christ is coming back sooner than we all believe. And then I just hope that people will be more kind to one another. I have no idea.
1: I just hope that it gets better.
0: Honestly, I wish I was a little more optimistic. It doesn't seem like things are going pretty smooth right now.
1: You know, now that my uncle, Eric Adams, is elected for the mayor, I'm pretty sure that a lot is going to change, not only here in New York, but around the world.
2: My 2022 predictions for Joe Biden are interest rates will will raise to 21 percent, and he is a puppet, and he will be removed office by december 2022 hopefully these gas prices go down
3: i'm almost 62 years old and i've never seen a world this scary in my lifetime what do you think what what do you think is going to happen going into 22 do you think anything's going to change or anything's going to get better what are your thoughts you
4: have to be positive right things are going to change it's going to be better COVID is going to be more controlled and hopefully we'll have a better 2022
1: All right, so that was Newsmax going under the streets of New York, uh, trying to ask people how they feel about 2022, and you interesting answers. New York City is probably not what you think it is. There are a lot of just uh, really fine people there who are as concerned about the country as we are. It's the the Upper East Side, or the Upper West Side, I guess that um, mostly the elites, and who knows, they're silent right now. I guess as long as it doesn't touch them, (laughs) they don't care. I hope you had... A, a wonderful holiday, a Christmas celebration, uh, bringing into the New Year's. Um, and I was just thinking as we were, we had a, a nice, just a bunch of friends and a lot of fun. I stayed up till 2 o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve, just reflecting on all that's happening in the world and really uh, optimistic, not because of the news headlines, but because we know the God that we serve. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about God is that he's not one to have us to look back, and dwell, and like uh, what did they used to say, they used to call it, this is really gross. They used to call it navel lint. You know, pick, You know, just kind of looking down, gazing, and uh, not thinking about future and forward, but kind of dwelling uh, and ruminating over the past. And God does not want us to do that. He certainly wants us to reckon with sin in our past lives or things that we've done, uh, make amends, ask forgiveness, and move on. He's told us very clearly that he removes our sins as far as the East is from the West. His, all the scriptures, the theme is looking forward, pressing toward the mark. Uh, the burden of sin, he never inc- intended for us. He did not come to have us walk around as a guilty, heavy-laden uh, individual. He came to make us free. He says, my burden is light. It's easy. Uh, come come to me, all you who are weak and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. That's the theme of Scripture. That's why our God, the creator of all things, is so incredibly special. That's why we love him so much, and that's why we are so uh, annoying to try to tell others about the fact that their burdens can be lifted as well. So here we are at the beginning of 2022, and uh, it is a new year, and we don't know what God has in mind. I think that God has already heard the prayers of his people in this country and really around the world um, I don't see, I'm not saying that we are going to be triumphant in these political issues and in these horrific uh, lockdowns and malpractice and malfeasance when it comes to controlling people. I'm not saying that. But there is nothing that they can do. There is nothing they can do to touch uh, God's work in our lives and the Holy Spirit within us. And our God is just it's like a, it's like them trying to uh, like a gnat trying to uh, fight a gorilla. It's not going to happen. God is omnipotent, and so He will have His way, and He will have His way in our lives, and He will use His people in mighty ways. And uh, so I look forward to seeing that how this is all going to play out. I recognize some of you are wounded, some of you have lost your jobs and really struggling. It's easy for me to say I'm still I still have income, uh, and live comfortably, and I I understand that. Uh, but there are times, we all have times of trial and difficulty, and there are different stages. So some of us, we suffer at different times. It may happen that in this country, we will all we will be going through a horrible time, all of us together, uh, with equal suffering. But right now, it's, I think, my job to lift up the arms, the tired arms of those of you who have paid a huge price this year and the last two years and are just, just tired in spirit. And just know that uh, most of us have been in that position with different details. And we want to lift you up right now as you pass through this, and then we know we're going to pass through it too. Uh, maybe our particular time of suffering in this particular time and moment in these particular circumstances has not come yet, but it will. And uh, but we have a mighty God uh, whose spirit raised Christ Jesus from the dead and he dwells within us, and we will face this with courage, won't we? One foot at a time, one day at a time. And so um, all right, so back to the news though, back down to earth here. Um, So the people in New York are pretty discouraged, as you can imagine. And I think it was a real blow when their new mayor, de Blasio, was a nightmare. And uh, it's interesting to me that in New York, the the left and the right hated de Blasio. They felt like he was a terrible mayor. They could not wait for him to be gone. And now Eric Adams uh, is sworn in, and this is what he plans to do, clip four.
0: Right. But, Mayor, you know, as you were, we were just talking about this at the beginning of this segment, You know, this is on you after midnight tomorrow night. Um, you're the mayor. And if we see cases explode after the Times Square festivities, after the opening of schools, when you had the chance to be more cautious about it, are you willing to take that responsibility? Are you going to say that's on me as the as the new mayor of this city?
4: I want it to be on me. You know, I say this over and over again. Winners want the ball when the game is on the line. Uh, The game is on the line for our city. And I want the ball in my hands. Just as I had the ball during the mid-80s when crime was high and I put on that uniform, I wanted to be there to protect my city. And I want to be here now to serve and protect my city. So, yes, I'm the leader of the city. Starts January 1st. And I'm going to lead our city in the right direction. And I know the resiliency of New Yorkers because it lies in the spirit of the resiliency of Americans. Americans are going to show the globe how we respond to crises. And we know it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard, but it has been hard before. And we have always stood up to the occasion. So, yes, I'm responsible for what happens to the people of this city as the mayor of the city of New York. And I'm going to lead us in the right direction.
1: Yeah. So uh, what you didn't hear was the uh, anchor pressing him on. uh, Oh, you know, it's going to be your responsibility if you don't, uh, you know, keep up with those Really fine protocols that Mayor De Blasio had put in place, and what Eric Adams did immediately was sign orders to confirm Bill De Blasio's shutdown of restaurants as a requirement of vaccine, uh, proof of vaccine before you could eat in a restaurant or a Panera or a Burger King or anything or go anywhere. And so, uh, I think New Yorkers are crestfallen. One of them. Is a military veteran, and he and another group of veterans have been going around the city protesting uh, the vaccine mandates in restaurants. And I saw a couple of videos over the weekend or this past week of uh, I saw them just haranguing this mother with her little boy, who was probably about seven or eight, and the boy was in tears. And someone is shouting from the crowd, you know, "Is this what you signed up for, police? Is this what you you're a disgrace? You're a disgrace. What are you doing?" Uh, It's it's a terrible, terrible video to watch, but another one came through, and this was in Panera. This is the a veteran. He's carrying a flag, and he's uh, talking about their freedoms and how this is unconstitutional, and as they get into this altercation, uh, the police come in and grab his flag. A black female officer throws it on the ground and stom- and steps on it, smirking, and uh, it's, so you'll kind of hear a little bit of that. Uh, uh, this, this is clip 12. Let's listen. <coughs>
4: does not touch the ground. Okay, the flag on. does not touch the ground. Okay, I'm am, I am, I am, I am not resisting. I encourage the, no, no, no. the Constitution. The Constitution of the United States has been violated. I cannot eat, and my sisters and brothers cannot work. I'm, I'm not resisting. I'm not. I'm not dying. 100%. No weapons, no drugs, no won't. Right, you know, no weapons. It's just terrible.
1: So they make them leave, and uh, one of the guys just says, I've ordered food. I, I paid for my food. I need my food. And they make him leave uh, without getting a suit. That's Panera. That's how onerous. Police, being, they're short of police. The violence in New York is horrific, and they're sending people into arrest little women with like little children with them who are eating in Burger King who cannot prove their vaccination status. It's just, it's horrific. It is horrific. And no wonder uh, people are reporting that the, uh, the, the road, let's say, between New York City and Florida and other states in the South is just filled. I had a friend who drove back from uh, North Carolina I drove to Florida from North Carolina, and it took 12 hours to drive because the, the highways were just filled. And uh, uh, New Yorkers are filling, uh, they are absolutely filling the state of Florida and other southern states. Oh, AOC was down in Florida. Also, she was at a, a, um, a drag queen bar uh, having a great time, and they recognized her and cheered. And of course, she was there without a mask. While all of this is happening in her home state, and that's fine, and she thinks it's thrilling, she comes to Florida to vacation and party without a mask. And so that's the hypocrisy of this, and that's why people are just sickened. I want to bring you up to date with a couple of other things. I'm going to spend a great deal of time, really, on COVID update. Uh, the today, because there's just so much, I I could barely make my way through. In fact, I didn't. I probably read less than half of what I had printed out to read for you. Uh, and gradually, I hope to uh, to give you the updates the, as best I can. Uh, but um, a couple of things. Uh, this week is a really big week. Uh, Wednesday is the. Uh, let's see. I believe it's Wednesday. It's January the sixth. I think it's Wednesday. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't. I have a, no calendar in front of me. Yes, I do. I have a Far Side calendar that my husband bought me. Anybody like the Far Side calendar? It's Thursday. Okay, so sorry, January sixth, the year anniversary of the um, the visit to the Capitol by patriots and some undercover uh, ag- agitators who seemed to uh, drive the crowd into a frenzy and police who seemed to uh, turn and attack the patriots that were trying to go there. Uh, to to uh, express their disgust over way the the way the election went, I, it's not a, it was not an insurrection. Uh, even the FBI investigating could find no signs of an insurrection, and yet that's what you're going to be hearing this week. And so uh, on January the sixth, there'll be a commemoration. It's going to happen all day long. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are all going to the Capitol. They're going to have a full program of events. Uh, these events are attended, this is the statement, as an observance of reflection, remembrance, and recommitment in a spirit of unity, patriotism, and prayerfulness. That's Nancy Pelosi's statement. Meeting at 12, there will be Eastern Standard. There will be a House pro forma session involving a prayer, pledge, a statement from the chair, and a moment of silence on the House floor. Then at 1 p.m., Librarian of Congress, Dr. Carla Hayden, will moderate a conversation between historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham regarding the narrative of the Capitol riot. Uh, Pelosi says, the patriotism and courage of our members as we prepare for this difficult day is an inspiration for which I sincerely thank you. So it's going to be all about, you know, how these terrible Trump supporters, uh, tried to do an insurrection in the Capitol, and how the members of Congress were so brave in their response. Does anybody remember anything about bravery from any of the members of Congress? I seem to think they kind of fled this scene. And I know they whined a lot about the how frightened they were. Uh, AOC, you know, hid in a bathroom, she says, because she feared she was going to be raped. Yeah, so, um, and then we had, uh, you know, um, uh, Mitch McConnell was so flummoxed that, you know, they were trying to uh, thwart democracy, never thinking once that the people, it's a government of people, by the people and for the people, not by their rulers uh, to protect their turf. They think they own the capital. They think the people have no right to be there and to object to what they were doing. Uh, So they're really upset. So they're going to celebrate how brave they all were on that day. And you're going to hear it. Uh, President Trump is having his own commemoration down in Florida. And so um, it'll be quite the day. Friday, the Supreme Court will be hearing something else. We'll be right back.
5: You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to Medishare. The typical family saves $500 or more per month with MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. Double. You get access to a massive network of providers and 24-7 telehealth. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years and it's more than just affordable health care, too. You get to be part of a community of Christians who pray for each other and support each other. But here's why now is the time to make the switch. Join before January 15th, and they'll waive your new member fee. so You'll save another $170 right off the bat. Call now. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline is January 15th, so you can save even more. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE.
1: This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
4: Today we pray for Deborah Howery, Director of the National Center for Injury Prevention and Control at the CDC. Dr. Howery leads research and science programs to prevent injuries and violence and to reduce their consequences. Proverbs 18.15 reminds us of the importance of gaining wisdom through knowledge. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Dr. Howery as she works toward the health and safety of Americans. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org.
2: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University is more than just exceptional academic programs, NCAA athletics, and state-of-the-art facilities. They believe in training champions for Christ. They know that where academic excellence and unwavering faith meet, there is liberty. Explore their campus virtually and learn how you can train as a champion for Christ online or on campus by texting TODD to the number 49596. That's TODD to the number 49596. Most of the nation will ring in the new year by watching a crystal ball drop in Times Square. But there are plenty of other New Year's Eve traditions across the Fruited Plain. In Lebanon, Pennsylvania, they drop a 200-pound slab of bologna. And in Hershey, PA, they drop a giant Hershey kiss. An 800-pound beach ball falls in Panama City Beach, Florida, a peach in Georgia. Lots of spectators in Boise this year for the annual potato drop. Get it? Spectators? Yeah. But my favorite New Year's Eve tradition happens to be in Mobile, Alabama. At the stroke of midnight, they drop a giant moon pie, one of the finest culinary delights to come out of the southern states. Marshmallow, graham cracker covered in chocolate, the only thing missing is a giant glass of ice-cold milk. Happy New Year, America. Now is a great time to check out my latest book, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl, a great way to start your new year at ToddStarnes.com.
5: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American
2: Family Radio. You know many of your supporters believe in order to protect democracy in this country, you've got to protect voters' rights. Yes. As we near the end of year one, nothing's been done. It's been blocked by the filibuster. Are you prepared to support fundamental changes in the Senate rules to get this done? Yes. What does that mean? That means whatever it takes, change the Senate rules to accommodate major pieces of legislation without requiring 60 votes. So you support a carve out of the filibuster for voting well, rights? The only thing standing between getting voting rights legislation passed and not getting passed is the filibuster, I support making the exception of voting rights for the filibuster.
1: So that was President Joe Biden expressing what he its a contradiction. But, you know, it's like contradictions with President Joe Biden are what we expect. He used to be adamantly supporting the filibuster. It's been in place for decades in the Senate. It's, again, a check on uh, on a majority running over the minority in terms of passing laws. The Senate is supposed to be deliberative, meaning taking more time, that things should be more difficult to pass there. But Uh, he's for full steam ahead, uh, eliminating any resistance the Republicans might have so that they can pass legislation to, you know, remove the need for voter ID, to allow mail-in balloting, uh, to not to clean the voter rolls, uh, you know, all kinds of things like the kinds of things we experienced in 2020. So, but that's not all that's happening. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, when last we spoke, Senator Joe Manchin was the hero of the moment, right? Because he was beating his chest and making great statements about how uh, this uh, uh, Build Back Better, or Build Back Broke Bill, what some people call it, Build Back Better Bill, is so expensive that it's going to, you know, increase inflation. It's going to hurt the people of West Virginia. And he just can't vote for it. He just, it's too far. He just can't vote for it. And he was so eloquent. And we were uh you know like wow i thought we had a new joe manchin i even i thought maybe we had a new joe manchin but this is from heritage action i just came in yesterday it is reported that senator manchin is returning to negotiations with the white house to pass the build back better bill remember the build back better bill is the one that will uh it's includes the new the green new green new deal that the whole thing about the environment, which will, has nothing really to do, a lot of it has nothing to do with the environment. It has to do with guaranteed income, rebuilding cities. It's massive. It is complete, complete uh, deconstruction of American society, of the way we live. Uh, it's, uh, you know, electric cars, it's doing away with fossil fuel cars, which we're already experiencing that. You know, cars are so expensive, they're hard to find, you can't find used cars. Uh, the left is making great progress. I must say they're making great progress at making it impossible for ordinary Americans to drive cars, and that's exactly the way they want it. And Build Back Better will make that even uh, worse. And but but Jennifer, Senator Joe Manchin, who was so against it, so I can't do that. I just can't vote for that. I just can't. Is now back negotiating with the Democrats. So um. Senator Manchin is reportedly caving to the radical left by reopening negotiations on Green New Deal style policies in this multi-trillion dollar bill. West Virginians told Senator Manchin loud, this is from Heritage, loud and clear that they did not support President Biden and his bill back broke agenda. West Virginians know that BBB would make inflation worse and kill their state's economy. And so they're asking people in West Virginia, and I'm asking those of you in West Virginia to urge Joe Manchin to reject, stand his ground, stop caving, stop flip-flopping, which is what he has always done. We've told you that repeatedly. And now here he is you know, playing footsie again with the left, not so adamantly against it anymore. I wonder what Joe is being offered. I wonder what goodies Joe um, Manchin is being offered to change his mind. Or maybe he's just weak and doesn't need anything to change his mind I don't know yeah call me call me annoyed that's just disgraceful so those of you in West Virginia you know I know that he he fools you every time because he just he is very convincing he is so convincing he just seems like such a I don't know well I, I don't know I just don't think I I don't that's gonna radically alter this country I just don't think I can vote for that I but uh, but it looks like he might yeah this week he might so here we are I told you this was a big week because it's the anniversary of January the 6th, and you can imagine that we will be talking about that at greater length than we are going to today. But um, the other thing that's happening this week that's very important is that on Friday, the Supreme Court will be hearing all uh, the petitions and appeals on the Biden mandates. And honestly, I just don't know where this is going to go. I was encouraged uh, that uh, Justice Kavanaugh demanded Uh, that the Biden administration respond to all the appeals by last Friday, December the 30th. And uh, that, or maybe it was, yeah, it was December the 30th, whatever day that was, maybe Thursday. And so um, I was encouraged by that because he set his foot down. They can't ignore the appeals. They must respond verbally. Uh, I don't know if they did or not. I'm assuming they did. I haven't seen that in writing. But uh, this Friday, the uh, justices will be deciding. And that's huge. That's really huge. It's kind of like the national version of Eric Adams being elected mayor in New York City. People thought that that would be a change, a shift, that he would do away with those uh, horrible mandates of Mayor de Blasio, but he didn't, he just doubled down. So is the Supreme Court going to do that to this country? Are they going to do that? I don't have any hope. Honestly, I don't have strong hope that they will stop this because we've seen them repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly disappoint us. And um so I was just noticing uh, Jonathan Turley wrote that um he he John, um Justice John Roberts did a year in report which he always does the chief justice always does that and uh in his report he used it to according to Turley denounce the threats being made against the court and its members by democratic politicians and groups including threats to pack the court to face an immediate li- li- immediate liberal majority all right could i just say this Of course, that's a good thing, that John Roberts thinks that's a bad thing, and that he's upset about it. But the thing that struck me is he's very adamant about stuff that affects him, because if the court has a different majority, he's going to lose his own personal power. So he's upset. He's ready to fight over that, not so ready to fight for anything that hurts the American people. That's been his pattern as far as I'm concerned, but that's happening This Friday, and speaking of judges, uh, this is an issue that happened in the year 2021. I think I told you, or at least alluded to the fact that the Republican senators have been confirming Joe Biden nominations and judges left and right and right and left and left and right and left and right. They've rejected very few. And as a matter of fact, Biden has installed a significant number of judges from diverse backgrounds, oh, communists, you know, socialists, communists radical leftist. And so um, he's been doing that. And the, the uh, Mitch McConnell has been letting him do that. Mitch McConnell really was a slow walking. So many of uh, President Trump's nominations, as some people that I know really well, had to wait over a year, 18 months to finally get in a position because, you know, um, Mitch McConnell couldn't quite, you know, get himself together to let the Senate consider those nominations. It really was disgraceful. But on Joe Biden's nominations for these uh, judicial seats, it's not so much. It's, it's been running like clockwork. You know, the Senate has been like a greased wheel doing such a great job. So um, he has installed, meaning Biden, a significant number of judges from diverse backgrounds. And um, so here's the deal. This is a comment from someone who is in the judicial world that I, I won't give the name, but it's a comment off the record. If, as expected, the GOP wins the House in 22, 2022, the Biden-Harris administration will depend on the radical biden judges the GOP is allowing to be confirmed to enforce executive orders in order to rule by decree. If the Dems keep the Senate in twenty two and continue to be able To confirm radical judges at double Trump's rate through the end of 2024, the country may be so unrecognizable that a GOP candidate cannot win the presidency, no matter the legitimate vote. And so that's just warnings of things that we may experience this year, no question about it. I think there's another issue that I want to make sure that you understand, because I've been wondering about this. You know, when we see... um, Unemployment signs or help-wanted signs on all these businesses when restaurants, we've talked about this, are just owners, and the few people that are working are just killing themselves to get the food prepared and to wait on all the demands uh, in restaurants. And um, could I just say as an aside, when you go out to eat, will you please remember that and be patient, and will you tip generously? Will you show your appreciation for people trying to trying hard uh, to continue to work under these adverse circumstances, having to still wear a mask at least the wait staff uh, and uh, the the owners who are just killing themselves to try to save their businesses, they deserve our support because they are under attack. And so why why all the why are people so why is McDonald's having trouble finding help? Why is why are the restaurants? Why are all the businesses just begging for help? Well, because you see, in part, Uh, The Biden administration and the Congress expanded the child tax credit benefit, and they just expanded it further. And so the prognostication is that 1.5 million parents could drop out of the workforce amid the Biden child tax benefit. According to a recent analysis from the University of Chicago, approximately 2.6% of parents could drop out of the workforce after being given monthly entitlement checks based on family income. Under the American Rescue Plan that was passed in March, lawmakers expanded uh, the CTC from $2,000 to as much as $3,600 per child. Half of the CTC funds were sent to households or deposited in the bank accounts in the form of monthly checks from July to December. Parents are not required to work to receive the CTC in its monthly payment. And so... Uh, it discourages work, and that's why people are not working. Now, look, a part of me says that's that's really nice. I certainly, uh, for mothers uh, who have children, it's a sad thing when they have to work. But here's the point. We cannot go to a welfare society where no one works, and everyone just gets a check from the government. It doesn't work well. As Margaret Thatcher said once famously, the former, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, prime minister of Great Britain, She said socialism works really well until you run out of other people's money because other people's money is what you receive in the checks in the mail. It isn't your money. They take from some people and give it to you, but when those people are drained of their money and their resources, there will be no money, and then we will all be poor, and we'll have no goods and services because nobody will be working. That's the way this works. So just, just saying, and now we know, It's the child tax credit that has contributed to all of this unemployment. It's really, it's really sad. It really is just so sad how quickly they have devastated America economically, uh, socially. It's just, it's just amazing to me. And so, um, oh, so actually I'm going to, let's see. I'm going to skip that last clip because I, because, and we're going to go, we're going to move to something different. I'm, really concerned, of course, about COVID. And um, you know that. And I don't think that I'm just thinking about this. I do talk about COVID and January 6 a lot. One of the reasons that I continue to do that is I just don't feel like you're, I feel like the population, the public does not get enough of uh, the other viewpoint on these things. What I believe is the truth. And so uh, you're being overwhelmed and saturated by propaganda on January the 6th, calling it an insurrection. And you're going to but you're going to get your fill of that this week. That's for sure. And we will be pushing back on that as we have been all along. But also on the issue of COVID, I don't. I think it's hard to get good information. And so we're going to continue to. And I'll tell you why. If you want to know why, you think I'm wrong about that? No, I can get information. No problem. Marjorie Taylor Greene, congresswoman from Georgia, tweeted information on the VARs uh, information on who have who who been who has died and who have been injured from the vaccine. It's it's a public information. By our, I think the CDC is the one who keeps the virus report. They estimate that only ten percent of fatalities or injuries uh, from uh, vaccines are ever reported because it takes a long time to make these reports and it's strictly voluntary. Most doctors are not going to stop and do this. They're just not. But nevertheless, we can see that thousands of people have died taking the vaccine, or died from complications, and thousands and thousands of more people have been injured. And this is public knowledge, uh, public information uh, provided by the CDC. So Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted about that. And what happened? What do you think happened? She has been permanently banned from Twitter for COVID-19 misinformation. She was locked out yesterday. Uh, this is what Twitter, Twitter, Twitter said. We permanently suspended the account you referenced for repeated violations of our COVID-19 misinformation policy. We've been clear that per our strike system for this policy, we will permanently suspend accounts for repeated violations of the policy. So, uh, and now she's not the only one that was uh, taken off, uh, Robert um the uh, the Adventure of the mRNA Vaccines, Robert Malone, that doctor's been taken off. Uh, Peter, um, I'm going to get to that in just a second when I can actually report it better. But uh, they're removing all the information. They're making it, you know, they're calling it disinformation. And gradually, they are creeping in on everyone who has other things to report, especially uh, experts in the field. It's uh, So that's why I feel compelled uh, to tell you what I know about it and what I'm reading about it and make it available to you. And uh, very soon, and hopefully even this week, I'm going to be giving you information on where you can find the stuff that we're reading and looking at, Uh, trying to make that transition right now. And uh, hopefully we'll get it by the end of the week so that I can, with confidence, tell you to go to a certain place and you'll be able to find it. So I'll just hang on. All right. So uh, when we return, I'm going to talk now about COVID, a lot of the things that you may not have heard uh, that you need to know. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. This is Frank Gaffney, host of Secure Freedom Radio. It's your personal daily intelligence briefing about the challenges we face, how they're likely to affect you, and what we can do about them. You can find Secure Freedom Radio here every weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Tune in to learn from our extraordinary experts what you need to know and will want to share. Join us for Secure Freedom Radio
4: tonight at 11 Eastern, right here on AFR. What is the source of America's greatness? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Alexis de Tocqueville, a 19th century French political thinker and philosopher, had this exact same question. On the heels of the French Revolution, he came to America in 1831 to investigate America's ascendancy. In doing so, he found that America's greatness did not lie in her economic system, it did not lie in her banking system, nor did it lie in her educational system. He found America's pulpits, aflamed with righteousness, was the source of America's greatness. He opined that America is great because she is good, but when America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Let us pray for a restoration of the flame of righteousness in our pulpits. Listen each weekday from
5: 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public
0: policy analyst for the American Family Association.
2: on a track to mitigate the credit card debt.
0: Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands.
2: Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps.
0: Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Happy New Year and all the best for a healthy, prosperous, and secure 2022. Now for a reality check. There's a real chance that the year ahead will see warfare breaking out, possibly globally, unlike anything ever seen before. All other things being equal, perhaps as soon as March, post-Olympics, the Chinese communists may be ready to attack Taiwan and or India. Conditions may be ripe for a Russian invasion of Ukraine and Iran is likely to have the bomb, prompting it to strike Israel, or vice versa. It may still be possible to deter such traumas, but only if we understand the danger and rise appropriately to it. This will require that we pull together and are robustly led. In the hope of encouraging such responses, our Center for Security Policy is launching today a countdown to conflict. Stay tuned for Update. This is Frank Gaffney.
5: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
3: It's great to be back. I hope you all had a great Christmas. Or if you're like me, a great COVID. Yeah, I had COVID. Which was a great way to finish a year that started with me also having COVID. So let's do the math here. I know Greg's out there saying, Cat can't do math. Because he's definitely watching, has definitely not been dead for a week already, unless there's been an awful coincidence. (laughs) So this year, I had two COVIDs. I also had two COVID shots. Two plus two equals four. As in, forget about all of this (laughs) Following all of the rules and regulations failed me more than the D.A.R.E. program. I am over it, and I bet you are too. I mean, I'm not the only one who had COVID over Christmas. Lots of people did. Unvaccinated people, COVID. Vaccinated people, COVID. Boosted people, also COVID. This Christmas, COVID was more popular than robbing a Bloomingdale's with 30 of your closest friends. It hasn't gone anywhere. Just yesterday, the United States set a new record of COVID cases. That's despite our leaders telling us repeatedly that if we just did the right things, COVID would be behind us. We just got the shots. We just closed our businesses and schools. If we just stayed inside of our homes instead of indulging in luxuries like basic human interaction and gainful employment, we would defeat this virus. They should feel lucky they work for the government because if they didn't, they'd get fired. They were so wrong. And so, like Greg Gutfeld making his 9-millionth drug use joke about his talented and brilliant co-host, it's time to admit that what they're doing isn't working and they really need to lay off.
1: Yeah, okay, so that's Cat Temp of Fox News. You know, I wish more people felt that way. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. This is this is what really flummoxes me is all of the people that are still cowering, so worried and still listening. Uh, to the voices of an uh, Anthony Fauci. In fact, that reminds me. I I've actually pulled a couple of clips here. I, I maybe we'll just play one. I'm not sure I can bear two. But I this is Anthony Fauci, who's, you know, uh President Biden's point guy on COVID, making it clear about what we need to do about, you know, uh now when you're in quarantine, you after being 5 days in, you do well, you tell me if you understand what he's saying. After listening to this, this is clip six.
2: I want to ask about being contagious and transmissibility for a moment. You explained that the reason we do not need to test a requirement after a positive person isolates for five days is because uh, the science says the odds of being contagious after those five days are low. Dr. Walensky has given a few additional reasons. She said a couple times today that a PCR test could give someone who had a COVID uh, positive result for up to 12 weeks. So is a PCR test not a good barometer either for transmissibility and isolation length? I mean, how can people actually tell if they are contagious in the cycle of having COVID? How do you measure that if not with either a PCR test or an antigen test?
4: Yeah, that is a very good question. PCR doesn't measure replication-competent virus. It measures viral particles, nucleic acids. So in other words, I could be infected, have cleared the replication-competent virus from me, but I can continue to be positive with a PCR for several days after recovering and not being transmissible at all. So although a PCR is good to tell you, if you have been, am I infected? Yes, I am infected, but the very fact that it's positive for, as the CDC director said, for several days and even weeks later, it doesn't give you any indication of whether or not you're transmissible. And I think that's the, the understandable confusion. All right, that's enough. It's enough. People-
1: understandable confusion. I mean, really, did you take notes there? Do you understand? This is the man that's been explaining to us what we ought to do and telling us and the, the vaccines work. And they're going to make you better. And they keep telling us that if you are vaccinated, and especially if you're boosted, uh, you will not get very sick. There's just no problem. You're very safe. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it is just all over the map. So let me give you a couple of other reasons to say to yourself, why are we listening to this? Why is cat, temp, make more sense than Dr. Anthony Fauci? Well, there was a COVID-19 outbreak, for instance, among a fully vaccinated cruise crew. Uh, on a trip to Portugal, so they had to cancel it because the crew fully vaccinated uh, a COVID-19 outbreak, okay? And so um, Jim Jordan actually got in big trouble. Newsweek did a real hit piece on him, and I'll tell you what his his uh, fault was. He did something really horrible. He uh, tweeted uh, on his, uh, he said, if the booster shots work, why don't they work, said Congressman Jim Jordan, if the booster shots work, why don't they work? Well, says Newsweek, Jordan is the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee and the official Twitter account for the GOP. Members of the committee shared a controversial post. Many quickly attacked the tweet and called out Jordan for allowing it to be posted. The conservative lawmaker also retweeted the post. Even Trump now realizes that killing off your own base is probably not a great long-term strategy. But apparently Jim Jordan and his clones on the House Judiciary GOP don't seem to mind the deaths. As that was what political commentator Brian, Brian Tyler Cohen wrote in a tweet. Someone should ask Jim Jordan why he retweeted it yesterday, tweeted John Favreau, a co-host of Pod Save America. And again, is there accountability for attorneys who engage in this conduct? The leader of the House Judiciary GOP, Representative Jim Jordan, is an attorney. So is Representative Steve Shabbat. Uh, so is Louis Gohmert, a member of the House Judiciary uh, GOP. He's an attorney, a former judge. That's uh, Sherilyn Eiffel, president and direct counsel of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, wrote that in a post. And then she said, uh, suggested that House Judiciary GOP post would result in more Americans dying from COVID-19. So guess what the House Judiciary GOP did? Why they deleted the tweet because you can't say that the booster shots don't work. You just can't say that. That is like um, anathema on Capitol Hill and with Nancy Pelosi and with the media and all the, t- the Twitter universe. It's anathema. So um, they, they're taking, Representative Eric Swalwell said this, as we in 2021 mired in a deadly pandemic, you should know who has prolonged it. These guys, Republican liars, Your vacation canceled. Your kids back to virtual learning and back to masks everywhere. For blame, look no further than the hashtag these guys. Okay, so the problem is uh, the problem is the problem that the uh, shots don't work and the booster doesn't work. And if you don't believe me, let me read another news article for you. And that is that the fully vaccinated U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin fully vaxxed Uh, fully uh, uh, boosted, uh, has now come down with COVID and is experiencing symptoms. This is the guy, this is the guy who has been forcing members of the military uh, to be vaccinated because, you know, military readiness. You know, we can't have these guys getting sick and uh, dropping like flies. And so for their own good and for the good of the country, they must be vaccinated. Trouble is, the vaccination is not working and neither is the booster. And Jim Jordan is right. But of course, Ah, the Judiciary Committee had to rush to, you know, the mea culpa. Oh, no, we'll take that awful tweet down that says the booster doesn't work, even though the boosted U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin walking around more masked than any person in the Biden administration that I had seen, you know, always, you know, double masked and the the, the shield over his face. Now he has COVID. You know, I just, it, it defies logic. And at the same time, I read this headline that 206 Marines have been kicked out for refusing the COVID-19 vaccines. Active duty Marines had a deadline to get fully vaccinated by November 28th, the reservists by 20, no, December 28th. By the deadline, percent 95% of all active duty Marines had received at least one dose, while 86% of the re, re, reserve force had received the first shot. That means around 8,000 active duty Marines and 5,000 Marine reserve personnel may face separation for refusing to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. Marine Corps has denied 3,115 of the 3,247 religious exemption applications received. Some unvaccinated Marines are calling this a political purge. There's something fundamentally wrong at this point with our nation's leadership. A major with more than 17 years of active service told Fox News, We are facing an unconstitutional edict that I think is very targeted as a political purge, taking out some of the best and brightest soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and guardians from the Space Force. Uh, The Marine claims they received blanket denials for their religious exemption application. and uh, In the Air Force, uh, they received over 10,700 religious exemption applications, and as of last week, 2,130 have already been denied. It's still, The others are still being reviewed, and none have been approved. And so just to encourage you, though, 47 Republican lawmakers, boy, this encouraged me. I didn't know they, that they had that many, and I'm glad, led by Senator Ted Cruz and Mike Johnson of Louisiana are supporting a lawsuit by a group of Navy SEALs and Navy service members seeking religious exemptions in a federal court. And by the way, that's... Uh, that's uh, Matt Staver's organization that's representing them. I hope to talk to Matt on the air this week. We're working on that. All right, so um, and so to continue the ridiculousness, YouTube has now removed uh, Joe Rogan interviewed Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough. And as I understand it, it was the most listened to. Let's see, I had a number on that. Millions and millions of people watch that. So YouTube had to take it down, of course. Dr. Robert Malone is the inventor of the mRNA vaccine, which is what the, the COVID shot is. And Dr. Peter McCullough, of course, is well-known. He's been, he's been on the forefront of fighting all of this since the very beginning. Notable, accomplished experts on this issue. And so uh, YouTube is banning them. And, and actually, Google is doing the same thing. They are arranging it so that Dr. Robert Malone's articles don't come up for users. Uh, So I've been told that being on being Dr. Malone's stuff still comes up, but I'm just telling you that. By the way, I have had the privilege of meeting Dr. Malone and being in meetings with him, and I hope to have him on here very soon. Also, let me read to you what he has to say here because this goes to the deep issue. It's a very, it's complex, and so I'm going to have to talk about something complex in a short period of time here. Uh, During an interview, he said that the United States, this is after he was suspended from Twitter, is in the midst of a mass. Formation, psychosis. Our government is out of control on this, and they are lawless. They completely disregard bioethics. They completely disregard the federal common rule. They have broken all the rules that I know of, and I've been trained for years and years and years. Malone, an expert in mRNA vaccine technologies who received training at the University of California, Davis, UC San Diego, and the Salk Institute, was banned by Twitter last week. Uh, he said that Twitter offered no explanation. Spokesperson for Twitter told the left-wing Daily Dot that Malone's account was permanently suspended for repeated violations of our COVID-19 misinformation policy. Because, of course, the twits at Twitter know more about this than the inventor of the vaccine. Of course they do. Uh, so, um, So Dr. Malone went on to say these mandates are explicitly illegal and are explicitly inconsistent with the Nuremberg Code. Um, That, of course, is a set of research ethics principles against human experimentation. It's what Mengele and other doctors working for the Nazis did to people, and that's why the Nuremberg Code was written, because they were experimenting on human beings. The Nazis were. Malone goes on to say they are explicitly inconsistent with the Belmont Report, and that's a 1978 report published in the Federal Register Uh, regarding ethical principles and guidelines for research involving human subjects. They are flat-out illegal, and they don't care. Malone suggested that people are in the midst of what is called mass formation psychosis. He was drawing parallels to the mentality that developed among the German population in the 20s and 30s. In those years, Germans had a highly intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad, said Malone. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety in a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. They will follow that person. It doesn't matter if they lie to them or whatever. And so... Um, says, this is how mass formation psychosis happens, and that is what has happened here. It's a pretty frightening thing, but I think we can all kind of see that. It's like, this doesn't make sense. Why people are just giving up their freedoms and getting so um, angry and uh, turning on one another and not listening to reason and logic and trusting someone like Fauci, who makes no sense when you really listen to him. He's all over the map. He contradicts himself constantly. And yet he's still their guru. It just makes no sense. It does make it, we, we would call it, our scriptural term would be, uh, you know, uh, a mass delusion uh, uh, that's going to happen in the last days. So, all right. Well, that's, there you go. <laughs> Welcome to 2022. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
5: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.